This is the first Tate speech where I'm going to use some notes. Because I was sitting there thinking, reminiscing on the good old days. I want you guys to understand something about me. Yes, I'm filthy rich. However, I come genuinely from nothing. I'm not one of those guys who says, I come from nothing. I did it all myself. And they didn't. I actually did. I was born in Washington, D.C. on Andrews Air Force Base. My father was in the military. We moved to Southside Chicago, the ghetto, then Detroit, then Gary, Indiana, which at the time was the murder capital of the world. Then I went to Goshen, Indiana when I was around four, tiny little town. I was in Goshen, Indiana until I was 11, and then I moved to Luton, England, which was voted the worst place to live in England. And still, I managed to make all this money all by myself. So I started from nothing. And sometimes, me and Tristan sit around, and we miss the old days. Yes, I have all this money. Yes, I have a Bugatti, every car, diamond watch, a mansion, blah, blah. Sometimes I miss sitting around with my brother in a tiny apartment with 22 pounds and thinking, fuck it, let's spunk it all on a kebab. That made me genuinely happy, spending all my last money on takeaway. Now I buy takeaway, doesn't do anything. Who cares? So it's interesting we're having a conversation the other day. What are the bad things about being rich? Everyone knows the good things. But as a man who's genuinely come from the bottom and is now genuinely at the top, I'm going to tell you some of the bad things about being rich. Because there are bad things about being rich. And I wrote some of them down, and that's why I'm going to check my phone occasionally. My scenario, me being rich, is kind of different than most people who are rich. Because there's a lot of people who are rich, like family, money, all this kind of stuff. But me, I did it all by myself. So I've got a problem which is kind of unique to my wealth. And the problem is that I am at the top of the tree. I'm at the very, very tip top of the food chain. And what's happened is, basically anyone I interact with ever wants something from me. Even if it's just my time, they want something. When I wake up in the morning, I have about 1,000 WhatsApp messages. And I start to go through, this chick wants this. Mother needs this. This chick wants that. Car dealership wants me to buy another car. This person wants that. This guy wants me to invest. That everyone wants things from me all the time. I understand because it must be like, you're Joe Schmo. You wake up and say, who's the coolest person? Who's the richest, smartest guy? I have his phone number. Andrew. If there's a problem, and any, anyone who knows me, anybody, if there's a problem in their life, they message me. Doesn't matter what it is. The toilet could fucking break. They need some money. Stranded, whatever. I'm just the go-to guy. Tate can fix it. So everyone always wants things from me. When I was broke, nobody wants shit from me because they knew I couldn't do shit or they thought I couldn't do shit, right? But now that I'm rich, every single person who messages me, it's just a constant stream of requests. They may hide them. They may shield them. They may put them behind a veil. They may say, just take a few days off and let's go to the mountains. I really love you. Those other girls don't really love you. (laughs) Trying to take my time. My time is my money. They all want something. So that's the first thing that happened when I got rich. I realized everybody wants things from me all the time. And I don't mind. I'm not complaining, right? I don't even think this video is a complaint video. And I don't want you to sit there and think, ha, 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 more money, more problems. Because I love being fucking rich. And I love being top of the food chain. I was built for this. I'm a king. 
I couldn't live any other way. But I'm very aware as I go through my day-to-day life that everybody wants something from me. They try and frame it. They say, hey, I've got an opportunity for you. The opportunity is not for me, friend, because I don't need your shit. The opportunity is for you because you want my money. You're going to come and give me your business plan and 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 try and convince me that I'm the lucky one with the opportunity when you're trying to walk away with millions of my dollars. No. So the first thing is when you're rich, everyone wants things from you all of the time. That's the first thing that happens. The second thing that I don't really like about being rich, food used to be a big deal. So my brother and I, we've always lived together. And when we were broke, and we were training for world title fight. I told you this kid is dangerous. Like his style or not, he will knock you out. So we were world-level athletes with no money. We invented a dish that was so bland, we called it flavor. Because it was the only way you could add flavor to the dish. So it had the name flavor, but it was extremely bland. And it was white rice, frozen peas, because they're cheap, kidney beans... Kidney beans have more protein per 100 grams than minced beef. Did you know that? I found out when I was broke, walking the aisles of the grocery store, trying to find the cheapest protein money can buy. Couldn't bring myself to be a vegetarian, so I'd add a little bit of meat, minced beef. And if I was really rich, I'd have hot sauce. But that was like 2 or $3 without adding nutritional sustenance. It was just purely for taste. And I couldn't often afford that. Literally, you have no idea how broke I was when I was fighting. Kickboxing does not pay. So for a good three-year period of my life, I lived on this flavor. We'd cook it twice a week, cook on a Sunday and on a Wednesday, and we'd make these big pots of rice, green uh, peas, kidney beans, and a bit of minced beef. That was it. And every once in a while, if I, my friends came over and they had more money than me, or if I went to a fight show and I was getting a paid dinner, or if I was out with you know, my uncle who had money and they'd buy me a steak. Woo! You ever had a steak for the first time in three months after eating nothing but flavor? You don't understand the level of happiness. Food was amazing when I was poor. What's food now? All I do is eat steaks. I walk into the restaurant and say, give me your most expensive steak. And you know what's most annoying about that? I say that, and they start talking about options. Okay, well, we have the tomahawk or the ribeye. I asked for your most expensive. It's in numbers. Which number is higher? Oh, the tomahawk. Then why are you fucking talking about a ribeye? You dumb bitch. Of course, I don't say it like that. I say, ha, 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 ha. I'll take the tomahawk, please because I'm a polite man. I'll take the most expensive steak. I don't care. I don't care what cut of beef it is. It's a cow. They cut the cow this way. They cut the cow that way. I don't give a shit. I walk in the restaurant. Give me your most expensive steak. Tristan also. Give me the most expensive steak. Okay, yeah, what sides do you like? All of them. All of them? Yeah, give me all the sides. We sit there with two fucking $400 steaks. We have a bite of each side, a little bit of macaroni and cheese, a bit of mashed potato, a bit of green beans, one fry. Leave them basically all uneaten. And we walk off with our $1,000 lunch. And we don't even really appreciate it. And that's all we do. 
every day. Food means nothing when you're rich. It's too cheap. Outside of houses, boats, and planes, I don't check the price of anything. If I see a new supercar launch and I want it, I'll buy it. Doesn't matter if it's 200 grand, 300 grand, 400 grand, 500 grand, 600 grand, all the same. Peasants numbers, who gives a shit? Put it on the card, no big deal. 450,000 US. Bargain. Or do you take card? Well, of course. So imagine how much we don't care about food. So food has lost all its fun. I know there's some really rich, pompous losers who go, oh, I get to go to a Michelin star restaurant. Michelin star, and I get this wine. Uh." I'm not a dork. Anyone with a brain knows that the jerk chicken from the Jamaican guy down the road for $5 tastes better than that Michelin star crap, right? So I'm not going to sit there and pretend it's amazing. I've eaten it all. I just want to be full. You can give me bread and butter, bro. Just quickly eat. I don't care. So food is no longer a thing. Since I stopped eating flavor and became filthy rich, Food is boring. If you ever see a man who's talking about food, oh, I had this amazing steak at this one restaurant. This steak is so amazing. He's broke. He's a brokey. Because if the steak was so amazing, he'd eat it every day. And he'd eat it every day to the point where he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. But he doesn't do that because he can't afford it. You understand? So whenever you see anyone talking about bragging about the meal they cooked or this ingredient they got or that steak they had, just do, because people do that to me all the time. And I'm just sitting there going, hmm, you're poor. Interesting. Oh, you're broke. Yes. Okay. Oh, you went on your birthday and had that steak. Oh, wow. Mm, once a year. Mm. Broke talk. Brokies. Real G's. Every day. Minor. Ain't a thing. The next thing that's not good about being rich is... Although I have an iron mind and I'm one of the last professionals of earth, you do suffer to a degree from FOMO. I'm a professional, you're an actor. I'm a professional, I can identify with people controlling the dialogue. It's to control the dialogue and control the dialogue. From a young age, I was a professional chess player, and then I became a professional kickboxer, and then I became a multimillionaire businessman, blah, blah, blah. It was all about the money. I was a, I was a professional. And the reason you suffer from FOMO is because private jets are like Ubers. So I have a number in my phone for a man in Switzerland, some rich guy, never met him. I don't even know his real name. It's kind of like Hitman. You know the Hitman movie where he has the the, the handler and you don't really know who they are. I send a voice note to my guy in Switzerland. Bro, I'm in Bucharest and I need to get to Geneva. He'll say to me, in 44 minutes, sir, and there'll be a plane on a runway with my name on it, a pilot fully fueled with donuts and champagne and pepperoni pizza because it's always what I have in my private planes, waiting for me. It's like an Uber. When you take away the whole airport bullshit, there's another thing you guys don't know about flying private. The best thing about flying private is there's no airport experience, right? If he says the plane's on the runway and I want to fly at eight, I get to the airport at 7.59 because my PA in advance as the jet is being booked and paid for has already sent my passport. They've already done all the check-in, the the customs, all that crap. So I walk straight to the private airport terminal, straight onto the plane. The airport takes 24 seconds on the plane, take off, land. It's the same with the other side. They've already had my passport in advance. As I get off the plane, someone looks at the passport scan they had, looks at me, same dude, cool. Right in the BMW, which is already on the tarmac, out. So for you, Let's say I was flying from Bucharest to Geneva traditionally. Let's say my flight is at midday. I'd have to get to the airport at 10 a.m., fly 12, 
land, let's say two, then another hour collecting bags, passport check-in, but I get there around three. So 10 to three. Whereas for me, it's 11.59 to 2.01. So what that means is you can now go in and out of countries in the same day. So you guys don't understand. You're brokies. You don't get it. You, can't, you haven't got time. You ain't got a seven-hour period twice in one day. But I do. I can get up at 7. I can fly at 7.30. I can land at 10 a.m. I can have lunch in Geneva. And then around 4 o'clock, I can get bored, text my guy, and fly home. Be home by 6. I've been in and out in one day. So when you can do this, when you can Uber around Earth in real time, when you can go in and out of countries in a single day, you start getting big FOMO. I struggle from, with FOMO to this day. Tell you, it's Cannes Film Festival. Don't want to go Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, but Leonardo DiCaprio's on this boat. Don't like him. Yeah, but he's going to be jealous of your girls. That's true. All right, what time is it? Quickly, boom, jet, bang, flex on Leonardo, boom, back on the jet, bang. So you start getting all these messages, and now you get FOMO. So when you try and just sit still, because you can be anywhere and do anything, it's, it's very hard to not do things. I hope I'm making sense here. Everyone goes, oh, just relax. I can't just relax because right now there's so many places I could be. There's so many things I could be doing. Like right now, Maserati, as we speak right now, Maserati are having a test track day in Bologna, Italy for the MC20. I could have been there. Here I'm filming tape speeches. And part of me has FOMO. I could have just bounced to Italy, drove the car, bounced back. And it's every single day. So you get huge FOMO. Same thing with Instagram. If I scroll Instagram and I see something that looks fun in Paris or London or Stockholm, I can be there in two, two, two and a half hours. So I can see a dude having lunch in London and go, I'll have dinner there. Bounce. And it makes it very, very difficult to stay still. It's very, very difficult to achieve peace. Luckily, I have Zen and an iron mind. But that's the thing that's kind of bad about being rich. Because when you're broke and you go on holiday, let's say you go on holiday, right? You go to Marbella and you're standing around Marbella, it never crosses your mind to go Ibiza or Santorini or Cannes or Monaco because you're in Marbella and you've paid for your hotel and that's where you're going to be. Whereas me, I'll be in Marbella. I can be having 99% fun. It could be great. But I'm a tiny bit bored. Tiniest bit because we're all a bit bored. There's never, never a time in your life where you're not completely, completely engaged. There's a part of you. I, mean, I look at my phone and my boy's like, come Monaco. And you're like, oh, I just got here. Got to Marbella fucking three hours. Oh, fuck it. All right. That's what happens. So you get FOMO. It's very hard to sell. And because it's very hard to sell, and because you have FOMO, it's very hard for you to be pleased. I hope I'm making sense to you. I can be in Marbella. It's okay. But maybe it's better there. Maybe it's better there. Maybe it's better there. And you end up just chasing if you're not careful. But I am careful. That's one of the bad things. Most people need narrow choices to stay sane. And I'll give you proof of this. Have you ever like taken a chick to Tesco or the, the, for you Americans, I don't know what the American Kroger's, the grocery store, and there's 20 sandwiches and you say, pick a sandwich and they have a, a mental breakdown. Have you ever watched that? Because <gasps> there's too many choices. If you were to say, Ham or prawn? They'd probably still have a bit of panic, but they'd get there. If you were to turn up and say, there's ham sandwiches, you want one? Yeah, all right. Most people need narrow choices to stay sane. But when you're truly wealthy, like I am, 
all the choice in the world exists. So you have to find new mechanisms, new parameters to stay sane. So my parameters are self-induced. I will say to Tristan, from the 1st of April, I do not leave this country. I don't care if Mike Tyson himself invites me to his mansion. I'm not leaving. And we shake hands, and we give our passports to our PA, and we don't go anywhere. Because otherwise, you just chase. I spent a year of my life, not last year, year before, of the 12 months, even though I live in Romania, I was away for 11, 11 months. It was ridiculous. Living in hotel rooms. Just buying new clothes as I went. Losing clothes, buying clothes, one backpack, just running around the world with a debit card. It's that control. This year, I'm going to try and stay still. I've looked at my list, and I have a bunch of other things. But I'm thinking maybe this should be a bit of a series. The bad parts about being rich. We should make a series out of it. I want to reiterate, I please, for all you brokies at home, I know what, because I understand brokies very well. I know there's at least one brokey sitting there going, that actually sounds quite annoying. I'm, I'm kind of glad I'm, I'm broke. Listen, being rich is fantastic, and being broke is not good. And the good sides massively outweigh the bad sides. I'm just trying to tell you a couple of the bad things. I think I've told you three, and I've got three more. So we're going to save it for another video. In the meantime, what I'd like for you brokies to do is to go look in the mirror this is serious, serious homework. If you're going to watch my channel, you get homework. Do this because it will change the trajectory of your life. I know you think I'm full of shit, some of you. The ones who are the real Gs know it's true. But the following words I'm going to tell you are going to change the trajectory of your life. Stand up, go to the bathroom, and look in the mirror and look yourself in the eye. Look that man in the eye and say, I want Tate's problems. Because you should be listening to this and think, you know what? That's an experience I've never had. That's a life I've never lived. I want that. I need to become rich. If and only if you have bothered to stand up, go to the mirror, look in your own eyes and speak to yourself, you can email me on the email address below. If you're too lazy to go look in the mirror, don't email me. I'm not saying it's easy to get to the top of the mountain. You still have to climb, but I know the way. So if you understand what I'm saying to you, if you want the life problems I have in my beautiful existence, if you want to stop being a peasant, a peon, a brokey, you can email me at the email address below and say, I'm ready. And I will show you the path to the top. And maybe, wouldn't it be fantastic in some far-flung existence, in one of the many variations of the multiverse, in three or four years from now, after you followed my advice and you became ridiculously rich, that you text my phone and say, hey T, there's a party on a yacht. We're here in Santorini, are you coming? And I say, you know what, yeah, I'm gonna come. And we turn up and I can guarantee you, finally, I can look you in the eyes and know once and for all what I already know deep in my heart, that you're a fucking geek.